0: Your copy of God's Word, if you'll, and turn to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, we're back in, in Acts today. <clears throat> in July of 1969, two astronauts looked at the sky from Tranquility Base on the moon, the first time anybody ever stood on the Earth's moon. And there were 3.5 billion people who populated the earth at that time. And almost all of them were watching that on television as those two astronauts stood there and looked out at the blue sphere of the earth that seemed to be hanging in the, in the black velvet of, of outer space. All of humanity, almost except one person, was watching that. The one person who was not watching it was another astronaut by the name of Michael Collins. Michael Collins was the pilot of the Apollo 11 spacecraft Columbia and he was orbiting from behind the moon waiting for them to finish their walk so that he could pick them up and bring them back to Earth. He wrote his autobiography about being an astronaut and piloting that that first mission there where they walked on the moon for the first time and he entitled his autobiography, Carrying the Fire. Carrying the fire. He said, when you, when you pilot a spacecraft, if you've ever seen them take off, we got to see a launch from Kennedy Center years ago when our children were little. I forget how little they were, but my daughter was still able to sit on my shoulder. So that tells you. And Friends got us passes, and I thought we were going to be like up close to see it. We were still far away, but you could see the whole thing light up the sky with all that fire. He said, it's like carrying the fire. And I thought about that's what we do. When God gives us the good news of the gospel, He's called us to plant this church in the East Hall community. He has given us all that we need. We've got the fire of the gospel. And what the Lord has given us, He wants it to spread like wildfire, not only through the East Hall community. This is our primary target, but you can't contain a fire. Once we launch this church, I believe it's going to be like a a gospel bomb going off in East Hall that's going to spread out for the glory of God across this community. And so we've been meeting since March. We're waiting, we're praying, we're planning and looking forward. But I just think God's up to something big and if we're going to be faithful, He'll let us see that. So the book of Acts is the best place that I know to go out of 66 books of Scripture to tell us about church planting and how to do this the right way and how to be encouraged in what God's called us to do. The book of Acts tells us that the Jerusalem church began with 120 people. We're not at 120 yet, but I believe we'll get there. But because the gospel of Jesus, Jesus Christ is like a fire that cannot be contained, it started to spread. And we've already looked at this in previous messages. 3,000 people were saved in one day. In one day the Lord added 3,000 souls. Can you imagine being a part of that church plan? And in Acts chapter 4 verses 1 through 4, then we see that 5,000 men, not counting women and children, 5,000 men came to know Christ in addition to the women and children who came to Christ. So this first century church plan is growing rapidly. And really in Acts chapter 5, He says these early believers had filled all of Jerusalem with their doctrines. Everybody in Jerusalem knew what they believed. So the Jerusalem church was the most exciting church plant in the history of the world and the one that we want to to learn from. Because the reality is, and we know this sadly, we know this, but we don't don't believe that's going to be the case for us. But thousands of church plants don't make it. Or hundreds of church plants don't make it. That's why, you know, I, I was excited and sad When I saw that this equipment was available for about half price, I thought, it's exciting if we can get it and save that money. But it's sad because that may mean that a church plant didn't make it. But they did make it, didn't they? They just don't need the equipment anymore. merged Merged with another church. So churches, I know the first 12 weeks of 2021... A ch- an average of one church in Georgia, Georgia Baptist Church, closed their doors every single week. So churches that want to survive, churches that want to thrive, we must carry the fire. We must carry the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ because at Transformation Church, we exist to be a place where where all people, all ages, and all cultures can be transformed by the truth of Jesus Christ. And you can't contain that truth. And we know earlier in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, before the Lord Jesus ascended back to heaven, He gave them this mandate. He says, the Holy Spirit's about to come upon you, and you'll receive power when that happens. And He said, you will be my witnesses. He didn't say, y'all form a committee and pray about it. He didn't say, have a prayer meeting and pray about it. He says, no, you will be my witnesses, and you'll tell people about, me everywhere starting in Jerusalem, Judea, spread out to Judea, spread out to Samaria and eventually the uttermost parts of the earth. I believe God wants to touch uttermost parts of the earth through right here from this East Hall community because that's our biblical mandate. So throughout Acts we see people carrying the fire and we want to carry the fire. So here we are now in Acts chapter 8 beginning in verse number 1. If you're able let's stand and honor the reading of God's word. With The last time we were in Acts two weeks ago, we looked at the stoning of Stephen. Stephen was one of the first deacons and he was the first Christian martyr that had just happened. And now here we are at Acts chapter 8. Saul, who you know later became Paul once he met Jesus, was one of the witnesses. And he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. But then a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers, it says all, all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. What do we just read in Acts 1-8? We'll be as witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Persecution started, and do we see the fulfillment of Acts 1-8 right there. Verse 2, some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful that your word is divinely inspired. You breathed it out, holy God. And it's just as applicable for us in this century as it was when it was written in the first century. So Holy Spirit of God, speak to our hearts today. Challenge our hearts today. Encourage our hearts today. And fill us with a holy fire, a consuming passion to get the good news of your gospel out to this community and beyond. And it's in your name and for your glory we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So two weeks ago, looking at the life of Stephen, we saw how we could honor God in our life. And in our death. And right after that happened, we know our dear friend um, Anna Carter went home to be with the Lord. She honored the Lord in her life and she honored the Lord in her death. And that's what Stephen did. But yet, when that happened, Saul, Saul the persecutor who hated Christians, began this great wave of persecution. And his desire and the enemies of the gospel, the enemies of the church, what they wanted to do was to smother the church and to smother the gospel. They didn't know they were messing with fire. And you can't smother out the gospel fire of the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ. So instead of smothering it, they scattered it. So the believers had to hurry up and pack up their homes and get out of there and fulfill Acts 1-8 and take the, the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So not only were they suffering, not only were they under persecution, but they had to do this quick. They had to get out of town in a hurry and pack up and leave. And it made me think even about in our lifetime in recent months over in Ukraine, those people didn't have time to pack up everything bad. They just had to get out of there and run for their lives. That's, what, that's the context here in Acts chapter 8. And there's some lessons I think we can learn from this. We can learn as we are challenged to, to carry that fire with us. Number one, sometimes God moves us to accomplish greater things. Write that down. Sometimes God moves us to accomplish greater things. Is that not why we're here Is that not why we've been moved from established churches where we've been over the years and God has moved us out of that comfort zone of an established church where we already had Sunday school, where we already had senior adult groups, we already had youth groups, we already had children's church, we already had had all that stuff And God has moved us from that. We believe because He wants to do greater things through Transformation Church if we are faithful to Him. I mean, there are 3,500 Georgia Baptist churches and we got the executive director calling to check on us. Is that not encouraging? And when I sent him the video, he responded back, this is exciting with all kind of exclamation points after that. So I want you to know, we may be a small group right here now, but people all around the state of Georgia and all the way I got friends in Brazil. We got Danny rice and hungry. There are people around the world praying for what God's going to do right here because we believe God moved us to accomplish something even greater the way that He did them. And if you've ever moved, it's not easy. Arturo's family just moved. And Miss Julie said, did y'all get moved in? And he said, yeah. I said, are you unpacked? We've been living in our house for put six, seven years. we got stuff still hadn't unpacked. You know what that means? It means we don't need it. We need to just get rid of it. We just had not taken the time to do it. I don't know about y'all, but we accumulated stuff thinking, well, when our kids get married, they'll need this. No, they want their own stuff. They don't want our junk. It's just time for us to get, get rid of that junk. But if you've ever moved, it's a difficult thing. I hate moving. I hate moving, but I want to move. I'd like to move and be closer to be a part of this community. That is the desire of our heart, to be up here closer. But if you look at the price of real estate, it's just who can afford that right now? Who can afford that on a part-time Nabisco income especially? But by faith, I'm believing God's going to move us up here closer and move Matt and Jenny closer as well so that we're, we're here. But moving isn't easy, but it's especially not easy when you're running for your life. Your mom probably could have told some stories about that. She had to flee at the last minute, I'm sure, in Germany, didn't she? When she was nine months pregnant with you and gave birth to you in that bombed out building, she could tell us some things if she was alive today. But for those of us who, are, who maybe who listen to us online, I think there's some people that are not here that God's already stirring in your hearts. You ought to be here. There are people with gifts and talents and abilities, and we've talked a lot about the portable church and raising the funds that we need, and all of that is true, but all of that means nothing without manpower. All of that means nothing without the people who are willing to leave the routine of the familiar and come and be a part of a church plant where you got to roll up our sleeves and, and be a part of it. So if you're listening online and you have a heart for missions, you have a heart to see God do something, if you play an instrument, you know, if you play a, a guitar, bass, drums, all of the Things that we need. If you have a heart for babies and for children, once we launch, we plan to have preschool, nursery, children's church, all of that. But that doesn't just require the money to buy it, it requires people who love Jesus, who want to trust God to do something big. There may be some people who just say, God put it on my heart just to move and be a part of that church plant. I've heard of that happening in other church plants. God put it on somebody's heart. They prayed, they trusted God. It's a bad economy to buy a house, but it's a great economy to find a job. People are begging for help wherever you go. So God, I believe, is calling some people to come and be a part of us. And we all know people we can ask to pray about that and challenge them to be a a part of that. But if we're slow in spreading the gospel, if we're slow in obeying Acts 1A, God just might send persecution. And we've just seen a tiny little glimmer of that even in recent weeks You know, with some of the recent Supreme Court rulings on, on the sanction of human life and on the ability of public school coaches to pray and just the ugliness and the nastiness that's come out from people about that. Well, I know it will come because Revelation and um, end times prophecy tells us that it's coming. So as we've scattered from other places to form Transformation Church... Here's the thing. In existing churches who have already been around and every church I've ever been a part of is an existing church. Never been a part of a church plant. Every church has baggage. Every church, if you have a history, you have baggage. There are certain people that are not going to go to certain churches in town, no matter who invites them or who compels them, because that church has baggage. We have a brand new clean slate. Nobody can say, well, transformation 10 years ago, here's what happened. They run off every preacher they've ever had, or they made somebody mad. We don't have that. we got a blank slate. So we want to stay prayed up and close to the Lord so that we keep that blank slate. God has scattered us, I believe, to grow us and to help us carry the fire of the gospel. Because that's what the disciples did. They weren't just scattered, but they took the seeds of the gospel with them. Number two, I want you to see from this passage God uses ordinary people. God uses ordinary people. Verse one says, All the believers were scattered except the apostles. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem and held down the fort at the mother church, but everybody else scattered. It wasn't the super-hired holy men. It wasn't the professionals. It wasn't the ones with seminary degrees. It was normal, everyday people who took the gospel and scattered it all over the place. He clearly uses ordinary people and not just those called to vocational ministry. The reality is you can reach a whole lot of people I can't reach. You know, usually if I introduce myself to somebody, I'm just Mike. Hey, I'm Mike. How are you? You know, I'm just, I don't tell people I'm a preacher because some people roll up their windows on you when you do that. Or if I say I'm Pastor Mike, nope, he's one of those guys. But you don't have the stigma sometimes that me and Pastor Matt have with that. So God wants to use all of us ordinary people. And that's a part of a church plant. It's not You can't hire enough people to make a church plant successful. There's not enough money to hire people to make a church plant successful. I was talking to a friend of mine in South Carolina, and he said he had a buddy who was a part of Elevation, which we won't talk about theology, but it's a humongous church plant up in North Carolina that is spread and they have campuses everywhere. And he said, his buddy said they had such a close-knit community. People got up at 5 o'clock in the morning to come and set up stage and lights and children's church and all those things. They said, we had such a community, normal, ordinary people getting up out of bed to come and work and make it happen. But he said, but then they got a building and they had a building. And they didn't need all the volunteers. And they had just the hired help to do that. And he said, we completely lost our sense of community. We completely lost our sense of family. Now, that doesn't happen every single time. But it is one of a million reasons we're not looking for a building. It's one of a million reasons we believe God wants to bring together some ordinary people who love the Lord, who will sacrifice. And we can do that in this building, paid for at taxpayer expense, praise God. And we can use our resources to touch the East Hall community for the glory of God. God uses ordinary people." God wants to use ordinary people to carry the fire and number 3 God wants us to take that gospel wherever we go. They just got out of town. They just got out of dodge. They might not have known where they were going, but they knew they were fleeing for their life. Thank God we're not fleeing for our lives almost right. But we are God scattered us and God brought us together to plant this church in the great commission of Matthew 28:18 through 20. You know, we read that as go and make disciples and you know, we preach message about get up and go. But a more accurate translation from the original language is what? As you are going. As you're going, make disciples. Yes, we get up and we go on mission trips. Yes, we get up and we plant churches. But he says, as you're going, as you're going about your life, as you're going back to school as you go on the job, as you go on vacation, as you're in Walmart or wherever you go, we are to carry the gospel. So there is an assumption in the Great Commission. In the Great Commission to go and make disciples, there is an assumption that if you have truly been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that gospel fire resides in your heart, the assumption is you will go and make disciples. God wants normal, ordinary people to take the gospel wherever we go. And His specific call in our lives has been to this community, right here. And then if God calls us to do that, number four, God wants us to expect a harvest. God wants us to expect a harvest. God sent them out in persecution. I don't think they could have envisioned the harvest to come. I don't think they could have envisioned that 3,000 people would be saved in one day, 5,000 men, not counting women and children, saved in another day. They had no idea. They were just obedient to go and to carry the fire of the gospel with them. That's what God wants us to do. And He says, if you're going to do that, you, you, you expect a harvest. You pray for a harvest. We have been meeting since March. Been praying a We started meeting and praying at Tom and Anita's even before that. We visited other church plants. We've talked to other church planters. My wife and I have answered so many questionnaires and psychological profiles for North American Mission Board. I could pull all my hair out to do all that. And that, that retreat's coming up in August. Pray that we get approval there. But we've been slowly meeting, slowly praying. Why? We're preparing for rain. We're expecting a harvest. This is why we're asking God to give us the resources. We're asking God to give us the people because we believe once we start... The community outreach. Once we hang that sign out and we start to advertise throughout this community, once we start to have picnics and things here and back to school events, and I th- we think the people are going to come. If we didn't believe that, what the heck are we doing here? If we didn't believe that, why are we raising this money? If you pray for rain, you better get an umbrella. And God's called us to plant a church and expect a harvest, so we're getting our umbrellas up and we're expecting God for a great harvest. We know Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. I can't make anybody saved. Thank God I can't. Because if I could, I'd mess it up probably. I'd probably mess it up. But God does not expect everybody that I witness to is going to be a believer. And the reality is you've got to scatter a lot of seed to see any harvest. But the good news is Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. I don't have to make anybody get saved. All I've got to do is carry the fire and share the seeds of the gospel. In fact, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, Jesus is out. He's looking over the crowd. And the Scripture says He was moved with compassion. And then He said this. And I can imagine in my mind His voice cracking as He says this. The harvest is great. But the workers are few. Pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask Him to send more workers into His fields. We're praying for God to send more workers to partner with us with this launch team so we're preparing for a big harvest and we can browbeat people, we can beg people, we can do all that stuff. He says pray. Pray for the Lord of the harvest. Because here, I know when I was a student pastor, I never asked anybody to teach Sunday school. I was taught, if you got to beg somebody to do something, their heart's not in it and they won't last. So I was just dumb enough to trust God and pray. You know what I had to do as a youth pastor? I turned people away all the time who wanted to be youth workers because I didn't need that many. We put them through a a process. They had to fill an application to be a youth worker in my church. That's how blessed we were. We just prayed for God to send forth the laborers. And we're praying for God to do that right here. Only Jesus can save a soul. I'm not accountable for that But I am accountable for doing my part. I am accountable for carrying the fire of the gospel. So there's some laws of the harvest that we learn in different places in Scripture. Jesus is the Lord of the harvest, but but letter A under number 4, we harvest what we scatter. We harvest what we scatter. Or the old-timey preachers in the Old Testament, the old translations of Scripture say they sow. We sow the seed. We harvest what we scatter. If I want to grow watermelons in my backyard, I don't plant peach seeds. If I want to have zucchini in my backyard, I don't plant tomato plants. If I want to see a gospel harvest, I've got to carry the fire and the seed of the gospel. If I want to see God do, if I want to see the devil do his work, let's go out of here and gossip and criticize and backbite. And that's the harvest we'll reap. But we're going to reap a gospel harvest because we're taking the seeds of the gospel with us. Luke chapter 8 and verse 5 says... A farmer went out to plant his seed, you know this story. As he scattered it across the field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as been planted. When he had said this, Jesus meaning, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And drop down to verse 11, he says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seed is that fire, the gospel fire that we're carrying. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while and they fall away when they face temptation. They were never true believers to start with. Verse 14, the seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life and so they never really grow into maturity. And then verse 15, some of this, we're going to scatter a lot of seed in east stall. Some of that seed is going to fall on... Fertile ground, good soil that represents honest, good-hearted people who hear God's Word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. See, so you say, that joker threw out a bunch of seed. He scattered a lot of seed, and most of it didn't produce fruit. Was it a waste of his time? Was it a waste of his resources? Should he have invested his money somewhere else? Was it wasted or not? No, It wasn't wasted wasted at all. Some of it produced good seed. And I don't know about you, but if we sow seed to 10,000 people in this community and only one of them gets saved, and that one is my grandchild or somebody that I love, it was worth every penny. It was worth every hour. It was worth every prayer. So yes, we're going to scatter a lot of seed and all of them may not produce fruit, but some of it will, and we rejoice in that. The Lord of the harvest says we're going to harvest what we scatter. And then the second thing is we're going to harvest later than we scatter. Are any of you garden? Any of you like to plant stuff? You know, I, I, once my kids graduated from high school and we'd been going to sports events and cheerleading and basketball and football and baseball, I'm like, what the rip are we supposed to do now? I mean, we're just bored. Man. Nothing to do. So I decided to plant a little garden at my house in Winter Robinson. I really got into it. I like planted the seeds. You know what I did? The next day I went and looked out there. Now, do you think those seeds come out of the ground yet? No. But I don't have the gift of patience. I don't have the gift of waiting. But I went out there to see every day. Are they up yet? Are they up yet? Or is it growing yet? It was exciting for me. And I've kind of been that way with this church. Are we growing yet? Are we seeing people saved? Are you reaching people yet? And the Lord says, you're preparing for rain. You're preparing for the harvest. You're being faithful. You're doing the little things. So we, pl- the law of the harvest says you reap later than you sow. You reap later than you harvest. So we're sowing We're investing. We're giving our tithes. We're giving our time here. We're getting out the Word. We're making videos. I'm sending emails. I'm sending letters. We're making phone calls. We're doing all of those things. That's a part of praying for rain. And we know that we reap later than we sow. You know, we've said all along our launch date is September the 11th. The reality is that's approaching us pretty quickly, right? And we're nowhere close to raising the funds that we need, although God has been so good to us. In a short amount of time, the money that we've raised is really incredible Particularly in this economy, but what the, you know, I put out that urgent video last week, thinking, man, we can do this. We can raise twenty thousand dollars. We can get most all the equipment that we need. Well, that that didn't happen. We didn't raise it, and it wasn't available to us, but we raised $5,000. But what did that do? That video put the word out, and so then people started coming to me. I didn't call them. Hey, I think we got a projector and a screen we can give you. Hey, Mike, I think I know a guy that can get you sound equipment at cost. Hey, Mike, I think I know somebody can give you a discount on a trailer. So Lord willing, we don't have to raise as much money as we thought, or if we do raise it, we just pour it right back into this community. So we're reaping later than we sow. We're sowing faithfully. We reap later than that. So if you like to garden, you know. You know, it's it's not easy to be a farmer. It's not easy to be a church planter. I don't have farmers make it these days. I mean, one drought and it can wipe out a whole family savings. You know, thank the Lord for some of the good stuff the government does is they do help farmers every now and then. But it's hard to be a farmer, it's hard to be a church planter. It's hard when you are impatient like me and you want to see, I never dreamed I'd still be working for Nabisco at this point, but I thank God that I am. I thank God for the opportunity because I believe God's going to bring a harvest. I believe it's worth getting up early every morning and doing whatever we've got to do to make it work. And realize, you know, you might just be one step in the process. 1 Corinthians 3 says, I planted the seed in your hearts. Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. We all have different spiritual gifts. We all have different abilities. We all have different personalities. We're all wired differently. But all of us can make a difference in the life of somebody else. I mean, if somebody's gone out in East Hall and they've planted a seed and somebody else came along behind them and they've watered the seed... What if it's us that's supposed to see the harvest and we're not faithful to go out and help reap that and let God bring that about for the glory of God? So realize when we throw in the seed, we might not see that person come to Christ, but we may get to heaven and realize that a seed that we planted individually and through Transformation Church came and bore fruit for the kingdom and you'll see that person in heaven. Y'all ever been up to Elijah? For years I had a friend say, Mike, I got a friend who has a cabin in LJ. You go up to Elijah and stay in this cabin for free. Well, my philosophy is if I don't give it a week or two of vacation, this boy's going to the beach, all right? I'm a beach-aholic. I wasn't interested in no cabin in the mountains. And finally, it was James Dollar, who was the worship pastor at Concord. He said, Mike, it's free. Why don't you just go? It don't cost you anything. So finally, my family and I went and let my kids take a friend because it was free it wasn't just no cabin. You pull up and you see this little house. What you don't see is three levels behind it going down to the water down there. It was a gum mansion, but I'm off the subject to tell you all that. Wish I'd gone years before. Now the lady lives in it, and she only let pastors use it. So it was a, such a great blessing. But in Elijah, you got all those apple orchards. I got an apple tree in my backyard I planted. There's one little apple on it. I'm doing my best to keep the deer off that one apple that I got. I want to see that apple come to harvest. But if you go up to Elegy, you can see an apple orchard. But did you know if you pick an apple, there's a potential orchard inside every apple? Inside every apple there are seeds that can be planted and you can grow another orchard. And it's that way spiritually. Spiritually. There is no way on God's green earth that whoever that kid was that invited Billy Graham to that revival that night when he was a young boy, that person had no idea, I get chills thinking about it, no idea the fruit that would be produced of the life of Billy Graham. He was just a normal North Carolina teenager and somebody loved him enough and loved Jesus enough to invite him and Billy Graham gave his life to Jesus. The harvest is more than... We reap, we reap what we sow, we reap later than we sow, and we, we reap more than we sow. That's what happens. We never know. Is the next Billy Graham in East Hall? Is the next Lottie Moon in East Hall? Is the next Martin Luther King in East Hall? Who is the next great Hispanic evangelist who's going to touch the world like uh, Luis Palau? Are they in East Hall and God has planted that seed. Somebody's watered that seed, and He's called Transformation Church to go out there and be faithful to help bring in the sheaves, to bring in that harvest. I believe they're out there. I know they are. I told the church I'm going to be out August the seventh. The pastor said, "I got to go now. We're going out to make some visits." And I said, "Brother Phil, I hope you find some Lydias out there. Remember Lydia in the New Testament." The Holy Spirit had, had her ready and she was prepared to hear and to respond. I believe there's some Lydias in East Hall. I believe there's some Billy Grahams and Lottie Moons in East Hall. And our job is to carry that fire that won't be contained in East Hall. And we've already said this before. The exciting thing we can touch the whole world from here... We're an international community, you know, primarily Latin American, but people come here and they may go back to their own country and take the gospel because you cared, because you sacrificed, because you gave, because you served, because you gave the gospel. And who knows? we got a young man, Jameson here, who was studying for ministry. God's led him to be a part of our church plant. He's in Mexico visiting his dad. I don't know. God may let us nurture Jameson. He may send him back to Mexico as the next great evangelist. The potential that we have here is great than the apple orchards in Elijah of what God can do, and we, you know, we get the, the old song, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Psalm one twenty six verses five and six says, "Those who plant in tears, we're planting. We're sharing the seeds of the gospel, that gospel dynamite, the gospel fire." And he says, "A plant in tears." We let God break our hearts for what break His. We let God break our hearts for, for people who are in trouble, people who are headed for jail, people who are headed for disaster apart from the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and most of all in eternity in hell. We plant in tears and He says if we do that, we will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest, bringing in the sheaves, I believe that you're being faithful. We're being faithful from March until now. Now we have less people here today than we did in March, but we know because half of our church are students who are away for the summer and they'll be back in a matter of weeks and they're excited to get back. But we're being faithful. You've not given up. You've not checked out of here. You're still a part of this. You're still giving. You're still tithing. You're still serving. I believe God is preparing us for the great harvest to come. So will you purpose in your heart, we're going to carry the fire? Not just as Transformation Church... But individually, i got to carry the fire. you got to carry the fire. we got to love people enough to tell them the truth of the gospel. And the reality is you can't share something you ain't got. So if you don't know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, maybe you're driving in your car, listening on the World Wide Web, because I did remember to record this week, unlike last week, when I forgot to record the message. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. And you need to know that you may feel like your life is messed up, but the good news is, hey, we're all messed up. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Transformation Church is a church for messed up people. Transformation Church is a place for for drug addicts. Transformation Church is a place for thieves. Transformation Church is a place for liars. Transformation Church is a place for messed up people so that they can be transformed by the truth of Jesus. We're not a church for perfect people because you ain't got a pastor if that's the requirement and none of us would be here either. All of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin, I deserve to die and be separated from God for all of eternity. But the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And it's so easy, you just receive the gift. We confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead we can be saved. That's saved, that's the transformation power. We appropriate the truth of God's Word in your life and He'll rock your world and transform your life. So if you're unsure of your relationship with the Lord, Reach out to one of us. Let us know how we can help you and talk to you and let you know that you are a child of God. If you say, I just I just need to be equipped on how to carry the fire, I need to be equipped on how to share my faith, we'll do that. One of the things we've been praying for, one of many things we're praying for, are some Bible teachers, some people to help teach Sunday school or in a church plan, it might not be Sunday, might be another night. I don't want to prematurely get too excited, but I think God may have provided at least one of those already. So in, in days to come, who knows? I, I kind of threw out the possibility when the students meet next gen on Thursday night, would it be cool if we had an adult class meeting here at the same time? I mean, we don't have enough people to do that Sunday morning yet because we need people to get ready here. But God is slowly putting it together. He's telling us to get our umbrellas ready because there's a harvest to come If We'll be faithful. Pray with me.